You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go Hayes! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live as we're getting you ready for game two of the four-game set between the Athletics and the Mariners. And, of course, we're talking all Major League Baseball. And, you know, we recently have had a consultant come in and wants us to change the way we do the show. I'll explain in a second. Scott Miller Down in San Diego, Fox Sports is going to join us at 430. He's a longtime national baseball columnist. So we can get into a lot of different topics, including the topic that concerned you when you arrived today at the uh, A's studios. You know, a lot lot of teams trending well, but a lot of teams trending bad. And the question is, is if you're going to have trending good teams, don't you have to have trending bad teams? Somebody's... If somebody's going to win a lot of games, somebody's got to lose a lot of games. It's called math. And uh, what was If everybody was around 500, yeah, no one's going to win over yeah. 100, and no one's going to lose over 100. Uh, parody is what we're looking for in the game. Parody. Oh, you, like, you don't want super teams, huh? Uh, no, I guess not anymore. Remember, it's a bad thing for the NBA. Can't have super teams. Because Warriors were one. How'd that work out? They won how many titles? Four. Well, it's not how to work out for them. How to work no. out for the league? Yeah, pretty successful for the league. Was it good for the league? I mean, television ratings are pretty good. NBA shut down when Jordan won six out of eight years. No, they're pretty good. Did the league fold when Bird and Magic were playing? Uh, no, good ratings. They survived. Somehow they were able to do it. No. Well, how, how about when? How about Niner fans? Hey, all you Niner fans out there, you remember when it was Cowboys Niners every year in the early 90s all the way through 95, 96? It was either the Ni- the Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl or the Niners were Was that – did the NFL – what happened to the NFL? They survived. They made it? Did baseball make it through the Yankees dominating the late 90s into the early 2000s? Yeah. They made it? Right, we're still playing the game, right? Oh, yeah. All right. We'll talk super teams. We'll find out uh, at 430. How about this? Can't wait for this. He's a World Series champion, a Stanford Cardinal. Maybe more importantly, he's an Olympic gold medalist. 
you know that about Eddie Sprague? I think uh, only from when we talked about when he got promoted, I think we talked about it. But, Ed Sprague uh, is an Olympic. He's got a gold medal. Yeah, World Series titles are great with the Blue Jays. He's got an Olympic gold medal. It's impressive. How many people do you know? Like, you know way more people that have won World Series titles than you do have won Olympic gold. Oh, they were asking me personally. I, say, I don't know anyone that has a gold medal. Well, I know Ed Sprague. I'm trying to think. Do I? Yeah, I, I, I don't have anybody who is a personal friend who's ever, I even think, competed in the Olympics. Yeah, same. I mean, even growing up in Pittsburgh, we've, we've had like one Olympic, one Olympian, and that's the great Kurt Angle in wrestling. I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to win Olympic gold. I mean, it's a big deal to win any medal, but to win Olympic gold, to have that on your mantle? I mean, what, 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 do, you think, what do you think would play more? Someone walks into your house and you got, you got your, this is what I did up on the uh, mantle above your fireplace. What do you think gets the most attention? World Series ring or gold medal? Gold medal. No doubt. Like, it's not, I don't even think, I don't even think it's close. Your, your guy, Paul Goldschmidt, just went yard again. By the way, look out for the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals are hot. And when I mean hot, I was looking at earlier today, and I know I'm getting off track because you put a highlight show in front of me, I'm easily distracted. The St. Louis Cardinals, who we all had for dead, dating back to May 7th, when this 15-day stretch began where they've won 11 of 15, the Cardinals lead baseball in runs per game, 7.1, OPS, 8.848. They also lead the NL in dingers and slugging percentage. So their pitching isn't great, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to slug our way through it. So we will talk to the great Ed Sprague, A's Director of Player Development, coming up here at 5.30, Scott Miller at 4.30. As I said, we've, we've had a consultant come in and look at A's cast and thinks we don't do the show enough like ESPN. So we have been instructed to be more like ESPN, so we will start the show, but we need to know in what order. Is it LeBron James could retire? It's a big deal. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Jets camp. The OTAs today. Or Tom Brady buying into the Raiders? I mean, I... What order would we start if we were ESPN? LeBron. You'd have to go LeBron? I, I have to go And LeBron. then would you be the troll that when they would go, I don't know, maybe LeBron to the Warriors? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm trading Kaminga. I'm trading Jordan Poole. The other guy they drafted, Baldwin Jr., and I'm getting up draft picks. I'm getting LeBron to come to the Warriors. Because you want to get older. Draymond ol- ops in. You want to get older. You want to get older. Bob, Bob. You, you want to you you get way older. Bob Myers' last act as general manager contract expires in June. Uh, I br- thought he was gone. Brings in LeBron and then goes. He's gone. He waves bye-bye after he brings in LeBron. Bob Myers is gone, I thought. Uh, not yet. June 30th, I think, is the end of his contract. Warriors Live, 833-625-2278. <laughs> and how do you think Tom Brady buying into the Raiders will change the silver and black? And from wherever he is. You could say heaven, you may say somewhere else. Well, how does Al Davis feel about this? You're allowing the guy that was a part of the tuck rule to buy into the franchise? What the hell is going on around here? Yeah, I don't know that. Do we forget that? That the the guy a part of the the guy who's the I mean, the author of the tuck rule. 
Tom Brady, Charles Woodson, two Michigan Wolverines. Do you know they went to Michigan? Yes. Two Michigan Wolverines, a part of one of the biggest plays. Set off the dynasty. What happens if that call is called correctly? It's Raiders ball. Tom Brady never probably is Tom Brady. There's no Giselle. There's no Super Bowls. Who knows? He could be a coach back at Sarah High School right now. It changed lives. John Gruden got fired. Maybe John Gruden doesn't get fired. I thought he got traded. No, he got traded. He got traded to Bucks. He just got fired. Yeah, he yeah. got traded for a couple first-round picks. I mean, think about everything that, that happened. Then Bill Callahan, Bill Callahan came in and saved the season. And What's then... the over and under on the Jets? Well, I haven't seen. Win totals. They haven't had those. I don't care. Uh, speaking of getting older, anybody notice? I have the opening day roster because remember I told you I keep the opening day roster in my fancy-dancy Rawlings Heart of the Hide portfolio. I love this thing. Nine and a half, by the way, on the Jets. It's the same same leather that's that gloves are made from. And I open it up, and I told you I, I will keep it all year long. The opening day roster. Boy, we're starting to look like the opening day roster again, aren't we? Brownie's back. May's back today. Trevor May is back. We just we just keep adding 30 30 plus guys. 30 plus to a roster that is 10 and 39. 30 plus. I don't understand why Mueller goes down. I mean, if you're going to tell me that the best coaching, the best technology, everything that's the best is here. Why would you not want him to be here? You want to send him down to Vegas, which is the worst pitching environment maybe in the history of baseball? I mean, the numbers show it. Like, if anything, send him to Midland. Send him to Stockton. Send him anywhere other than, than AAA. Don't forget our good, our good friends in Lansing. Oh, look, Juan Soto's getting a standing ovation. Oh, God, Juan Soto. They have the numbers in the notes about how, how bad he's been since he's been a Padre. Um, I send him in here. Send him down to Arizona to work with people. Why? I mean, and and, and the thing that bugs me, thing that bugs me, is it's it's the it's the oh well you know I can't believe the numbers. I don't care about the numbers. Let him learn here. Let him figure it out here. Let him get his routine. Let him let him figure out failure and success at the big league level. And if our coaching is so good, shouldn't he be getting better? If our technology is so good, shouldn't he get better? At some point, he would get better. Let him go out there and get his ass kicked. I have no problem with that. I'd rather him get his ass kicked here than go down to Vegas. You're not going to get any. Well, you want to go pitch in Reno? Yeah, go look in your confidence on there. I mean, you want to go to Colorado Springs? I mean, which ballpark do you want him to go pitch Salt at? Lake. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Albuquerque. I, I, I've been to Salt Lake City, and I know it's elevation and it snows there. I don't know what the elevation is. Albuquerque. Uh, El Paso, ball flies there. You know why I know that? You've been there? I don't know. UTEP, baby. University of Texas, El Paso. And to play New Mexico State, who was in our conference, you had to fly into El Paso to get to New Mexico State. Oh, okay. I believe the Packers running backs are in there. just literally the wind howls. There's not one. You know what? Probably the only – 
can you can you have him go play for the River Cats? That would be the one place, even though it gets hot. I'm sure it's getting hot in sack right now and gets windy in sack. It's a much better place to pitch. Where's Johnny Dosco when we need him? It's a better place to pitch than anywhere else in that damn league. I don't get it. I do not understand. Jordan Diaz, you sent down. Why? Mueller, why? Well, Mueller needs to go work on something. Have him work on it here. Work on it here. Figure it out here. I saw that, and this isn't something that, I mean, it's out there. Um, his Through the first 10 starts, he has the second highest ERA in ace history behind Willie Adams. So what? So, yeah, let him work through it. Who cares? What, 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 You're going to let him go to Vegas? And are have we – newsflash. We shouldn't be grinding any numbers right now. Yep, newsflash. This is just a newsflash. I, I, every day I got to read this crap. You want me to read you? Fine, I'll read it. You want to grind numbers? Here you go. Athletics are looking to avoid joining the 1904 Senators going 9-41 and 41 through 50 decisions. The 1932 Red Sox, 10 and 40 through 50 decisions, as the only team since 1900 to lose as many as 40 in their first 50 decisions. Because if the A's lose tonight, what's their record going to be? 10 and 40. 10 and 40. Is that the numbers you want to talk about? You want me to worry about what? Oakland is on pace right now to lose 129 games with a run differential of 585. You want me to worry about somebody's ERA? I think it's past the You know what point we're at? We're at the point where Marcus Simeon can't field anymore. Simeon can't field. You got to get him off the field. You got a post-game show host who's saying, listen, I love the guy. I think he's great. He's good people. But Marcus Simeon cannot play at this level. Shortstop. Just can't. And his father was calling that postgame show host, complaining to him. And I said, I understand. Once again, the postgame show is not for family. It's not for the players. It's not for the manager, for the coaches, for family. It's not for you. Don't listen. Listen to music. And I was right. I was that host. I had to put that together. You didn't figure that one out? Uh, I was right. And what they do? A very smart decision. They brought in Ron Washington and literally broke Marcus Simeon down. They tore it down to the studs. They tore him down to the studs, and they rebuilt him into this beautiful palace. But it took everybody's buy-in, especially Marcus. Because Marcus was doing all these, like, very rudimentary drills that you think non-big league, guys who are big leaguers wouldn't do. They broke him down in front of everybody, and because he doesn't have that kind of ego, Marcus didn't care, worked his ass off. Wash held him accountable. Marcus held himself accountable, and they, they went back to the basics. They broke him down to the studs and built him back up into a beautiful palace. Why can't we do that with Mueller? Why can't we do that with, I mean, why can't we do that with other, I mean, this is where we're at. The numbers are so bad. Marcus was so bad he couldn't play shortstop anymore unless you did something drastically. Well, that's where this team's at. Unless you're trying to tell me, well, we had some injuries and we had some things not go our way. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the band back together. Because we got most of the roster back. Hey, Trevor May's back and Seth Brown's back. And, you know, what? 
am I really to think that all of a sudden we're going to go on this rip-roaring tear of winning 13 out of 15? Because these guys are back? Probably not. I'm still believing that the young guys play together, the young guys learn together, eventually they win together. And then you see towards July and August, young guys winning 9 of 10 versus a hodgepodge of older players doing that and who you're going to be looking to – or maybe it's let's get everybody here, let's hopefully – let's hope, and when you're hoping, that's tough, let's hope that they all play better and we can move them. But, man, that, that makes for a long two months. If you're holding out that all of a sudden – Brownie's hitting bombs. Tony Kemp's not hitting two six. I hitting one sixty seven. All of a sudden, Aledmus Diaz, Jace Peterson, these guys are all balling, and you can move them for something. That could be a long two months if they don't. If they all don't catch fire together, that could. Be. Trevor May and his seven million dollars. Wow. Great to have him back, though. Obviously, what he's fighting. Depression, anxiety away from the field. Obviously, it's something that affects so many different people, and it's so tough, their fight. But it's great to have him back. But, I mean, he's back because he's making $7 million. And At some point, you probably want to move him, which now, God, I don't even know what he'll be worth. Yeah, and hopefully he can pitch while coming back. Um, Daniel Bard came back from the same thing with the Rockies, and he's been – Pretty solid. I mean, he's a great story in himself, being out of baseball for the years and now back and de- dealing with anxiety and having a good year for a bad Rockies team as well. I always look at this ace team now, and we talked about it before the show, but I, I compare them to the 03 Detroit Tigers because, well, that team was the worst team we've seen in the last 20 years. Their pitchers that year, I mean, do you want to compare Mahler to someone on that team? I'll give you the. I'll give you a young guy on the team. Young twenty-year-old Jeremy Bonderman that year went twenty or went six and nineteen with a five fifty-six ERA in twenty-eight starts. Former A Jeremy Bonderman. The the best starter on that team that year was Mike Maroth. And when you say when I say best, you're going to be blown away because why I said best. He went nine and twenty-one that year with a five seventy-three ERA in thirty-three starts. Nine and twenty-one. Ugh. But they let these guys pitch through it. Yes. Three years later, where was Detroit at? Three years later. Yes. They were in the World Series. You got to just let the pro. If you're gonna rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. You can't rebuild with a bunch of guys when, when your young guys are 28. Because what's changed since opening day? Since I looked down at this opening day roster, what's changed is Ruiz is in center field and he's gonna be there every day. Now what? How do you construct a lineup? I haven't. You know what? Let's just let let's just see. I have it right here. Well, I, well, I oh. don't have it. So, what, what does it do me any good? I was, I was going to read it off. Does it do me any good that you got it? By the way, your Yankees are losing early. My Yankees. Yeah, hey, Yankees. Hey, the Jeter, the captain. That's a, that's my captain. Oh, Aaron Judge. That's we're going to see this highlight all all day now. All right, who's who's DHing tonight? Oh, Langley. All right, so they they gave. They're not going to fully go into it yet, but you can already see the problem. Ramon Laureano's got to play, right? Correct. And Brent Rooker, since he's had a start, I mean, look at Ramon Laureano is hitting two oh three, and he's hitting third. I mean, come on, seriously, you're rolling out a dude hitting two oh three, hitting third. Fourth, you've got Aguilar hitting two thirty five. 
a journeyman, I mean, at best, catcher, Perez, who hadn't played since, what, 2018? Yeah, 18. Um, Hitting fifth. Aletmus Diaz playing second base, batting a buck 83. Man. I mean, at some point, you're going to have a lineup that's going to have Aguilera, Ramon Laureano, and Seth Brown. Because you can't take Ruiz out. Yeah. And Rooker has earned his time. I mean, Rooker, I know we look at Rooker as a young guy, but he's not. He's 28. He's young in baseball games. Yeah. But he's not young when it comes to age. He's 28. I mean, sending Jordan Diaz down and sending Muller down, you just got considerably older in what we're calling a rebuild. Now, front office hasn't called it a rebuild. We're calling it a rebuild. And it's just, man. I mean, other than Nick Allen and Este Uri Ruiz, Langoliers, I mean, you got three young players. That's it. In your entire lineup. In your entire lineup of a 10 and 39 team who's on pace to lose 129 games, you've got two young players. I go through. What is Langoliers? 25, maybe now. Uh, Lang- Langoliers is. He's 25. Yeah. So he's 25, and he's a college guy. College guys used to tend to be a little bit more mature, coming out of college, ready to rock. So you've got you got three, you could say three young guys and six older guys. Do you want to do you want a stat that might maybe make you happy? Ray Jensen sent me this lesson, the Karate Kid. He goes, "What is he going to tell me about his dojo?" No, weird stat I found. The A's lead all of Major League Baseball in defensive with defensive runs saved in left field with seven. There's a positive. Brett Rooker playing left field today. He has one defensive run saved this year. J.J. Bladé's helped that out. Bladé has three and Connor K. By the way, is J.J. Bladé in the lineup today? Uh, no, lefty on the mound. Marco Gonzalez. Uh, I mean, the pitching numbers are, are starting to get downright scary. I mean, so if you look at walks – the A's pitching staff has walked 241 batters. The next closest number, team number 29 on this list. You have any idea what the number is? Probably like 140. Well, that's not bad. I mean, that that'd be a hundred. No, 170. 189. 241-189. They're on pace for 797 walks. They've given up 83 home runs. The next closest team is 70. They're on pace for two, 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 274. Neither of those are the major league records, by the way. Walks or home runs. I just, I wouldn't even worry about it. Like, at this point, why worry about it? You should just go full bore into let the young guys figure it out and let your coaches make them better. That's what this coaching staff has to do. This is a teaching year. How are you making this club better? Like Ruiz, hitting 367. He's got a seven-game hitting streak. He's on pace now for 79 steals. He's getting better. Let, let, let young guys figure it out, good, bad, or ugly. Let them figure it out and get better. That's what you have to do. But by sending guys down, by adding Brown and by adding May, and I get you got to add the veteran guys because you're paying them, I get them. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, in one way I get it, in one way I don't. 
I don't know how you got better. I don't know how you really, you say, maybe you can say you got a little bit better now, you didn't get better for the future. No way. You didn't get better for the future. And who's going to start now? Who's starting games? Rosinski can't play. Fuji can't pitch more than one inning. I've said it multiple times, he should be the opener. I, the more and more I watch, I, I believe that's like that's what he they should be an opener. I mean, who do you got to start games? Waldachuk's hurt. Uh, Caps back. Uh, Sears. I think they said they want what Blackburn needs. They want Blackburn Medina. Medina. So you got Luis Medina going tonight. Yep. You got Cap back because I guess he's earned his way back. You got Sears. And uh, so I, I mentioned Medina, Sears, Cap. Yeah, and then you're gonna want you know hopefully Blackburn's back in the next week. Blackburn's not back. <laughs> Yeah, the fingernail. Who's issue. starting games? Oh, the notes say Waldachuk's pitching tomorrow, but who knows if that? Waldachuk's not going tomorrow. Yeah, he's calf issue, right? Yeah. Who's starting games? Maybe we do go opener. Adrian Martinez. Okay, there's four. You got a, you got a seven, six, seven day rotation thing going these days. <laughs> Who's starting games? You have to find someone from Vegas to call up. I don't, I don't know who else is even down. Who we can even call up from Vegas? Close is down there. It's a starter. That's my point. If you got to look it up, that tells you all you need to know. I'm gonna I, I, the safe the, the safe answer if he was healthy would be Blackburn. If he makes one more start and you call him up, he comes back next week. But that's next next week. You you need guys now. Have the game notes come out today? Uh, yes. What do the What do the game notes say? I don't, even if I, I don't think I've opened it yet. All right, let me see. Let's see what they. Also, I, all, I just looked at the like the little blurb about. I hate to sound frustrated. I just I'm just like, they got they got Walt. So Waldachuk is going tomorrow. We'll see, we'll see. All right, Waldachuk goes tomorrow. Sears. Now Waldachuk Sears are just like I would say with Moeller. Let them keep going. Let them figure it out. But at some point. You're running out of guys because guys you thought, Rosinski, I mean, illness, stomach issue. Yeah, he's on the I.L. And then you got, I mean, what do you do with Fuji? I mean, Fuji came in last night. There were like two or three straight fastballs that were so far outside. It was just like, wow, this guy literally has no feel at times. He just has no feel for pitching. He's got an electric arm. God blessed him with this arm, but he's got no feel. I mean, what do you do with him? I mean, really, what do you do with him? Here's some of the guys in Vegas that are starters. Colton Eastman, the 5.59 ERA. Hogan Harris, well, we saw what happened with him. That maybe Does he get another shot as a starter up here? Colin Palouse has started five games down there. Um, and then that's really about it. I mean, you have Blackburn. Um Rosinski's made it, you know, all the guys that have pitched on there have already been called up. Cap, Miller, Blackburn, or not Blackburn, uh, Rosinski. So, uh, Adam Aller maybe. Would you rather see Aller or Muller from a standpoint of growth? Muller. All right, coming up next, we're going to head to San Diego. Scott Miller, a lot to talk about. And then since he works around with Fox. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And he works around the Padres. How bad is it? We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, now joining us on A's Cast Live is one of our all-time favorites. How are we doing, my friend? Scott Miller, what's happening in San Diego? How are you doing, Chris? Well, I'll tell you one thing that's happening is uh, the people that were all excited about the Padres over the uh, winter are all angry and disappointed right now. You never know in baseball. That's why we play the games. What looks good on paper doesn't always pan out that way. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, as you know, Bob Melvin was with us for many years, and I did the Bob Melvin show for a long, long time. He's a dear friend, and Yep. Got to hang out with him at spring training, and you know he let us know that things aren't as great as people think. And he was telling me like, "You're not going to believe it, but Peter Seidler, the owner, has already talked about the a parade route for the World Series being sea and land, and all the different things. And guys are switching positions; they're not happy. And I'm like the whole time listening, to this going, "Bob, you guys have just committed 863 million to extensions and free agents. I mean, it's." It has potential to be a sports disaster in San Diego, and I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like you to your point, uh, Chris, the the owner talking about uh, World Series parade on on boat, on the water, or on land. Yeah, that was uh, that was the first day of uh, first, I think, full squad workout day of spring training. Uh, I was there that day, and. And um, yeah, Peter Seidler and the team president, Eric Gruppner, met the media. You know, it's kind of the traditional first meeting of the media. And uh, he was getting asked a lot of questions about sustainability and can, can um, you know, can, if this payroll can, can a smaller market like San Diego sustain things. And, you know, Seidler said, yeah, he said, I'm getting a little worn out on that word. He said, let's talk about other things. You know, let's talk about, you know, is our World Series going to be on parade on land or on water? And <laughs> yeah, they were getting a little ahead of themselves. Now, that said, look, it's still way early in the season. I, I know we're whatever we are, 25 percent in um, and things can certainly turn around. I do think um, there are a couple of reasons for the Padres slow start. Um, you know, they had a bunch of guys in the world baseball classic, you Darvish included, and he didn't get as much work this spring as, as planned. So he was a little bit of a slow starter. Joe Musgrove dropped a weight on his toe and broke his toe in the spring. And he didn't make his start until toward the end of April. Um, so 
their pitching was a little slow to begin and then hitting their offense has been a wall. They're not hitting with guys in scoring position. Now, you know, Manny Machado is on the injured list now with a hairline fracture and a hand, but him and Juan Soto, Soto's, you know, been more often horrible than good since the Padres got him last August. And I mentioned those two Soto and Machado because, um, you know, I know the Padres think, that they're affected by the new rules as much as any hitters in baseball because both Soto and Machado take their time in the hitter's box, batter's box, and, and, and they're slow to go and they need they step out after every pitch. They can't do that now. So both had really slow starts, whether you attribute that to their pitch clock and the fact that hitters have to be ready now or not, I don't know. But like I say, a lot of reasons, but the Padres need some answers. And then I look at L.A., and it's like, well, they're the kings, and they've been king for a long time, and everybody's been trying to figure out how to knock them off. We love Torrey Lovello. We just had him in town in Arizona, former A's player. I think he's doing a great job as a manager. I I love what the Snakes are doing. They're super young, super athletic. They're a lot of fun to watch. But here is L.A. where they're not spending as much. We know that they're going to be major players this coming offseason. But they looked around and they said, with what we got and what we have coming up, we're still better than everybody else. I remember being in San Diego at the winter meetings. Not a lot of people believe that. I think people are starting to believe it now. Just what's your take on the Dodgers and where they are? And a very yeah, interesting so- series against the Braves right now. Yeah, they are. They are. And uh, and they're coming out of St. Louis, too. You know, there are a couple or I'm sorry, there's the Yankees that are in St. Louis. But, yeah, the Dodgers and Braves are a big one. Um, a couple things on the Dodgers. One, yes, they, they've been playing better than people thought. A lot of people thought, OK, this is the year the Padres win the division yeah. or the Dodgers regress a little bit. And it didn't it hasn't happened yet. A couple things. One, I think the next three weeks or so, you know, if you take the season in smaller segments, um, the next two, three, four weeks are going to be big for the Dodgers because uh, Julio Arias just got battered in his last start. He's on the injured list with a hamstring issue. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, the last two outings has not been as good. There's, you know, he's, he's admitted to feeling a little bit of fatigue, so their rotation right now is down, um, and they're patching it together. That's why I say I think the next two or three weeks are going to be big. They're going to be without Urias for 10 days or so, so they'll go a couple turns through the rotation without him. So we'll see. But, you know, by and large, um, you know, way better than expected. And, and I'll tell you, you know, I mean, they still have the stars, too. Oh, by the way, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, guys like that. Max Muncie has been hitting really well this year. Um, the Dodgers, even though they they cut their payroll, they they led the they, they had the highest payroll in the majors last year, and they didn't resign Trey Turner, and they kind of reeled things in. And I think they're fifth in the majors now. So they're still spending money, but they have they're down about fifty million from last year. Um, but that said, what the Dodgers do, you talk about cultures with a team. What the Dodgers, they know how to win. And this whole group, they've won for years. They know how to do it. They expect to do it. That's, to me, the biggest difference right now between them and the Padres. Padres playing really good defense, by the way. But um, 
they just they don't know how to win. You know, you get runners in scoring position. Padres are failing. They, they have the worst batting average with runners in scoring position in the major leagues. The Dodgers do all the little things right. That's part of knowing how to win. And give a little respect, even though we can't stand them. Our uh, our neighbors across the bay of the Giants are about to yeah. be 500, so they're starting to play better baseball. You know, Memorial Day has always yep. been the first benchmark, but to me it's a little bit different because back in the day, you know, Memorial Day, we used to start baseball. It could have been April 7th. It could have been April 8th, 9th, 10th, whatever. So Memorial Day wasn't that far away. Now, Memorial, we're starting in March. It seems like yeah. if you're waiting all the way to Memorial, I'm like looking at our ace. Scott, we're 10 and 39. I can't wait till Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, you're talking, you know, yeah, you're right. The season begins about a week earlier or whatever it is. So now there's eight, you know, six, seven, eight more games by Memorial Day. As you mentioned, A's are 10 and 39. I mean, you know, they're playing game number 50 tonight. Um, you know, by Memorial Day, you know, it used to be 25% of the schedule. It's, it's up to like 30 or more percent of the schedule now by the, t- by the time we hit Memorial Day. I mean, you know, the A's, what's that, game 50 tonight? Game 50. So by, by the time Memorial Day, you know, they'll be up to about 55, 56 games. I mean, that's a, that's a fair amount. I remember when I was covering the Minnesota Twins in the 1990s, a guy that I thought his baseball – smarts were as he was as intelligent as anybody baseball wise was the hall of famer paul molitor i i covered the twins during the last couple years of his career and and i still remember you know back then because you know one great thing about what we do is even you know i've been covering baseball 30 some years now but you still learn so much you know i mean part of the it, it, it you know maybe maybe some people think oh the writers and broadcasters they know it all no, we have access to ask questions and learn and pass that knowledge on. And one thing I learned back way, way back when from Paul Molitor, you know, we had a conversation one day, kind of what we're talking about, Chris. And, and I asked him, you know, what, how long into the season do you think it takes a team to kind of, de- you know, develop that personality and, 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 and develop its identity? And he, he said back then, he said, yeah, he thought about 40 or so games into the season, you know, I mean, that's kind of by that point when a team kind of has its personality. And I think within that he meant uh, as well, that's kind of when you begin to think, okay, it's not quite so early anymore because early in the year, it's always say, well, it's early. It's, it's early. early. Well, Everybody loves to talk yeah. early. <laughs> so I, I think kind of that 40 game yeah. benchmark is, is, it's not so early anymore. And by then a team should have its identity. And to your point, I think that was usually around Memorial day, 40 games or so in that was kind of, but you know, the benchmarks get moved up a little bit now. You know, a great saying is you can buy stars, but you can't buy culture. And it still happens. You know, we, we were just talking about yesterday and we were off the air still talking about it because you know, once again, we referenced the winter meetings where everything was about the shortstops. And all of a sudden, you know, we saw the drop. I mean, Carlos Correa signed with almost every team in baseball, it seemed like, yeah. this offseason before he ended up with the Twins. <laughs> and you're talking about Trey Turner and Swans being Bogarts and all this kind of, you know, players flying, all this money going around. It's like, yeah, you can buy players, but can you buy that culture that is winning? Yeah, I uh... 
there's a lot of that's that magic alchemy that that you can't necessarily create um you know you can that's why develop your own farm system and developing your own players is so important because i think that culture that winning culture sometimes starts down below i mean look at i go to kansas city when they were in back-to-back world series 2014 2015 that was a team that 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 we talked a lot about culture then because Kansas city, the Royals were an organization that had lost like for 30 years. They had, I mean, almost three decades of losing. And when they finally turned it around, it was that group, Eric Hosmer, Salvador Perez, Alex Gordon. And so many of them had come up together in the minor leagues. And when they were double a, all of a sudden, the Royals double A team was winning for the first time in years. And then they moved to triple A and the Royals triple A team was winning for the first time in years. And then eventually it hit the major leagues. And I think, you know, probably, you know, there's no shortcut to winning. And, and that's, uh, that's what so many teams that spend big money do. They try to buy their way into winning and and take that shortcut. Um, But I think, you know, the tried and true way to do it, is you have to develop your own players and then you use free agency to supplement a core that you've developed. That's also, by the way, what the Yankees did during their last great dynasty. And I don't think it's any secret now. I mean, the the Yankees have just won one world series since 2000, which I know, you know, for them, that's that they're in a huge slump. They won in 2009, but the point is, since even then, in 2009, the homegrown players that contributed to the 96, 98, 99, 2000, even 2009, Derek Jeter, Andy Pettit, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, those were like core guys that they had developed. And then they made trades and, and did some other things, free agent signings. But the Yankees haven't developed anybody lately. And I think that there's that's a big reason why. They haven't won a World Series since 2009. Yeah, we went over that the other day, having a little fun about the Yankees. In like 2009, you know, what was the number one movie? It was like a Harry Potter movie, for God's yeah. sakes. Gas was like gas was like 260. It was a long time ago, 2009. And you think how many billions of dollars, as you said, since 2000, they've won one. How many billions of dollars they've spent on 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 salaries and they've only won one but then that leads us to this super teams we've seen it in the nba the nfl we see it in baseball we haven't seen one in a long time in baseball but a super team they seem to be good for us when it's postseason time because then the networks can really sink their teeth into here's the super team and can anybody knock the super team off but these regular seasons are long in the NFL and in hockey and in basketball, and nobody's season's longer than ours. Uh, what is better for baseball overall? Just take the television side for postseason. What's huge for us? Pays us a lot of money. I get it. It pays the bills. But for, a, for the interest in the entire season, is it a super team or two, or is parity better for our game? In, you mean from the TV network's perspective? For a fan, for us fans. Oh, for the fans. You know, I think for the fans, parody's better because, I mean, we all get tired of I, – I think 
And I think that might be one reason baseball has lost a little bit of altitude lately. You know, we talk about how it needs to market itself better. And, you know, the NBA is starting to go around baseball or did go around baseball. And it pains me to say that because I'm a baseball guy. I've yeah. hardly done anything for the last three decades and I love the game. <laughs> but I think the big I think for us baseball fans, I mean, what Tampa Bay's doing this year is is fascinating. You know, they're leading the league in home runs. They're clobbering everybody. I mean, they're a machine. And yet they don't have many household, any household names. Um, I think for for fans, it, it, it keeps things interesting when different teams win. But that's horrible for TV, right? I mean, yeah. you know, Tampa Bay is not going to draw hardly anything in terms of ratings for television. I mean, I know. You know, from the tele television side, it's always better, you know, the whole David Goliath thing. And I, I think back to in the early 2000s, you know, when the Yankees had it going and, and, and the A's were good with in the Mulder, Hudson, Zito days. And, you know, it was intriguing. Can the A's knock off the Yankees? And that that right there is like pure gold for television. When you've got a team like the Yankees and then a scraggly team, you know, of upstarts that look like maybe they can can topple Goliath. And, uh, you know, I think back to those days. I know it's a long time ago now. You know, I date myself by saying it. But well, I still we remember. get the bobblehead for you right here, the Hudson, Mulder, and Zito. Oh, there you go. I guarantee, I guarantee there's a lot of A's fans that are with you. They'd love to go back to that era. Yeah. I mean, I was in the Coliseum, the, the Derek Jeter flip play that night. I know that's a painful memory for athletics fans. Well, because how about can we go back that, to the 70s and Raleigh Fingers and uh, Vita Blue and Catfish Hunter, Reggie and the boys winning three I'm, straight? And I'm glad you brought that up because now if I can take just a minute to say, God bless Vita Blue, yeah. rest in peace. Uh, what a great pitcher. What a colorful uh, part of baseball history he and the rest of those Charlie Finley A's uh, participated in. Another quick story is going to date myself. I was a kid, like fourth grade, I think. I think it was fourth grade. And I go back to when Vita Blue pitched the clincher in Tiger Stadium in 1972, game five of the ALCS. Had to come out of the pen. Um, what's that? Had to come out of the pen in that game. John Blue Moon Odom started, got sick, and Vita Blue came out of the pen. Yeah. And that was in the days. That was Even though it was a deciding game five, winner to the World Series, it was a, uh afternoon game or M Michigan time. And, um, oh yeah, that, that day I growing, I, I grew up in a town about half an hour South of Detroit, grew up a Tigers fan. I think I was fourth grade then in 1972. And I still remember just begging my parents, let me stay home from school. This is like, if the Tigers win, they're going to the world series. And they did. My parents wrote me a note. I stayed home from school to watch that. And then Vita Blue came on and, and crushed us in Michigan. But again, just the memories of that, you know, I mean, I remember being crushed as a kid, but you look back on it from today. And I mean, those characters like Vita Blue, I mean, that's part of why we all love the game, guys like him. Yeah, we recently honored the 1973 team. And yeah. I actually did, which technically would be Vita Blue's last official interview that we had him here on Ace Cast Live. And we. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and as we were, I, so I was interviewing Reggie Jackson and mm -hmm. they brought Vita in in a wheelchair. And if you could have seen the embrace and just the friendship and the love between Reggie yeah. and Vita, because they hadn't seen each other in a long time. And a lot yeah. of a lot of those guys, they knew Vita was sick. They didn't realize it was the last time they were going to see him. And, and And we try and say all the time that 
you know, get out for these special days when we honor 72 last year, 73. Next year will be 74 because whether it's losing Sal Bando, Ray Fossey, our beloved Ray Fossey we just lost, Vita Blue, these guys are truly three straight World Series they won. I mean, we're losing when you're looking at one of the greatest dynasties. Only the A's and the Yankees are the two franchises that have won at least three in a row before. This was a group that was so amazing. The stories are unreal. We're losing yep. these guys, but they're truly one of the greatest groups and cores of players we've ever seen in our game. They are. I mean, I no doubt. And, you know, I still you're right. You're so right about get out and see these guys and and and, you know, enjoy them while we still have them. I. I still, uh, the World Series, the last couple of years in the playoffs, you know, Reggie Jackson, of course, now is a special assistant to Houston owner Jim Crane. And um, when I've been covering the Astros, you know, I've spent plenty of, uh, of batting practices talking with Reggie Jackson on the field the past couple of Octobers as the Astros were getting ready to play somebody. And, I mean, just you can't replace the knowledge uh, of somebody like that and the stories he can tell. Uh Ray Fossey loved Ray Fossey. And I'll tell you what, to this day, still, there will be, I will be working on some kind of story. Um, and I'll be thinking to myself, okay, who would be good insight on this? You know, who, who can I talk to, you know, and, and as I'm figuring out how I'm going to execute whatever story, there are still times I'll think to myself, oh, Ray Fossey, oh man, Ray would have been great to talk to about this story. I, I, talked to him every chance I could while he was broadcasting and uh, he's still greatly missed today. No doubt about it. Well, it, it's great to have you on once again. Good to see you. And let's do this again soon and catch up. All right, Chris, take care my friend and uh, all good things to you and everybody in Oakland. And thank you for all the time you've been, he's been coming on. I didn't even get my, you banged him out of here before I could say thank you. I clicked it too soon. That was my bad. Wow. I, mean, I usually, I'm usually coming on with me. How many different radio stations and all the years he's been I, coming on with me? I already have a message drafted to him. So I'll tell him, sorry for kicking you out. No, don't say it. Just say, hey, we appreciate it. He's great. He's been covering. I mean, he's been with, I mean. Bleacher he, Report. ESPN, CBS. I mean, he's been with so many different people covering this game for so many years. I did not know this. Not a hurricane. But a typhoon is rolling uh, towards Guam right now. A triple threat of devastation. Because, you know, in the West, it's a typhoon, yes. not a hurricane. Well, we've really gone everywhere. We've talked LeBron, typhoons, Brady. Uh, well, who else? We Aaron Rodgers. Let's just throw it out there. Tonight, game three, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh Oh, that'd be great. Bring that up. That's a good idea. Well, I'm just, I'm just trying to think. I'm talking about the hockey with Vegas and uh, who are they playing? Why am I drawing a blank? It's not a good idea. It's not a good thing. The typhoon, which strengthened rapidly in recent days, is posing a triple threat of devastation, including deadly winds equivalent to at least a Category 4 hurricane. Exceptional storm surge and torrential rainfall, according to the National Weather Service of the U.S. Territory, Guam. Is that where Guantanamo is? No, no Guantanamo is in Cuba. Yeah. Which is not a U.S. territory. That, that's correct. But, also, if it, but if it was, it'd be a great vacation spot. Also, Heat Celtics tonight, too. Game four. It could be 
two sweeps in the NBA conference finals. The NBA finals start till, doesn't start till June 1st. By the way, when the mob was running Cuba, everybody used to vacation over there and go to casinos and play <laughs> golf because it was in the Caribbean and everybody was having a good time. You remember back in those days? Uh, I'm going to say no because I don't think I was even born. Neither was I. But at one point, <laughs> they've made movies about it. Cuba was a rocking place back in the day. You know how close it is? You realize how close that little boop flight would be? Yes, but I, I haven't been Caribbean, there. Caribbean. I golf, have not been to Cuba. Casinos. You don't like golf and casinos? Well, I don't golf and I don't gamble, so. You ever been to the Caribbean? I have not. You haven't been? No. The first place I left internationally that wasn't. Did my honeymoon. The only place I've ever left internationally that wasn't to Mexico is when I went to, when I went to Iceland last year. <laughs> In Ireland. We're supposed to go to Greece this year for uh-huh. my sister-in-law's 30, 30th birthday, but still that'd be don't. a hell of a trip. Yeah, I mean, but you're not going. I don't. It's it's right towards the end of the baseball season. Wow, wow! I feel like what Jay Root, not Jay Rule, <laughs> uh, Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal. Wow. Uh, yeah. You took honeymoon last year at the end of the baseball season. Now you're, I mean, what are you, Dora the Explorer? No, this is actually like literally. Is that going back, kids? <laughs> Dora the Explorer. I'm trying to go to the younger demographic. Th- this is, it's actually like October, like the last, like, it'd be like our last. You know what? I'm going to prove your trip right now. You can go in October. <laughs> I, you know what? You know what? That's the kind of guy I am. I will approve your vacation right now, live on the air, that in October, you can go on a vacation. I appreciate that. Your guy, Garrett Cole, I mean, sicky stuff must not be helping him today. I said He's it. reacting to highlights that are running so, yeah, in front of us. Yeah, 3-0 Orioles. That you can't there. see. 3-0 yeah, uh, Orioles. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think we all could take a vacation in October. Yeah. See, normally you can't take a vacation in October. He got away with it last year because it was his honeymoon. But you cannot take a vacation in baseball September, October, end of the year, and and uh, and in playoffs. Can't do it. This year, I think you're safe. Yeah, last year, was, I think we were good last year. I don't too. know. Brownie's back and so is May. Maybe we turn it around. Well, they're 10 and 39, so they got to go on an incredible 39. Well, we got the veterans back. You need that veteran presence. When you got veterans, veterans are leaders. Vet- veterans help you win. You know, just what I just said. Let's is, get older. What I just said is crazy. They'd have to go 39 and 10 to be 500 right now <laughs> over the next 49 games. Hey, it's fine. Got Could vet- happen. Got veterans back. Dodgers won 43 and 7 a few years ago. Got the veterans back. That's what, hey, you got to get that veteran veteran leadership in that clubhouse, as they like to say. Veteran leadership. Well, as we plug- you know who's important today is Ed Sprague. Not only is Ed Sprague an Olympic, Olympic champion, World Series hero, Stanford great, and his family was a part of what minor league franchise for years? Uh, I'm not even going to – American League or National League? No, no guess? The Blue Stockton Jays. Ports. Oh. His family was part of the Stockton Ports for many years. They're our AF, low-A affiliate, I know. if you didn't know. Good friend Alex Jensen calls their game. Stockton won today, by the way. Big win for Stockton. Um, Ed Sprague's got to tell us, who's coming, man? Who's coming? <laughs> 
Hey, where is Sodi? Where is Geloff? Where are these guys? Where's Cody Thomas? Out of Oklahoma. Well, you're gonna He's co- playing well. Ten home runs, 49 runs driven in, hitting 303 in 42 games for Vegas. Uh, Soderstrom, eight homers, 30 RBI, hitting 272 on base, a little low at 320. But so it's, OPS is 839. That's still pretty good. I don't know how you really look at those numbers and they mean anything. But it doesn't matter. I want to see. Got to see guys. Geloff hitting two seventy five, three home runs, sixteen runs driven. I mean, what, 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 what's what's supposed to excite me right now? What's supposed to excite me is is the excitement. The um, need these older players to play well so we can trade them. Is that is that what the excitement is? Because you can't say older players are here to win. Um, I can't know because usually when you're looking at a team that's rebuilding and they're trying to trade veteran guys some of the guys are like like, like the Nationals last year Soto they got a haul for them I don't think we're getting a haul for Jesus Aguilar no uh, we want to talk there. vet, there's what, what do we got we got to do veteran shortstops you're going to yeah. love what Carlos Correa had to say <laughs> Carlos Correa is such a beauty you know not playing tonight either, Scratch. There's certain guys that they just don't they don't pass the sniff test. Carlos Correa does not pass the sniff test. And I know I sound like an Astros hater, and I am. But I also do call balls and strikes, as they like to say. Also, we got into some football lingo <laughs> to explain the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, correct. Baseball people using football lingo, can they do that and can they do it correctly? Uh, I thought I thought Jason Stark did a nice job. It's a very interesting list. Who's in, who's maybe, who's long shot, or as they would say in football, third and long. Oh, there you, well, Get it? Well Get done. it? Yeah, well done. Who's in the red zone? Who's a, who's a Hail Mary? <laughs> who's Mr. Irrelevant? Uh, yeah, who's the uh, – uh, He got in last year, Scott Rowland. Oh, wow. Wow. He said it, not me. Throwing great red legend, Scott Rowland, under the bus. Who? Who? Do you – here's a fair question. If you go to the Baseball Hall of Fame and you walk in and you, like, you, get, you, get, you, you, you get sweaty because you're so excited, I've been there many times, three, three, four times, and it's incredible. And you go into the plaque room, and you've seen the plaque room. If you've never seen it, it's just, it's wood, lights are down, it's wood, the walls are all wood, and there's the plaques. It's very, it's very subtle, right? It is not, they're not doing some grand thing. It is classy. It's this beautiful wood, and the plaques sit there, and there's lights down on them. And you walk around and you see these plaques, man, and it's like Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron. I mean, it is the who's who, Walter Johnson, right? It's Reggie Jackson. It's the greatest player, Willie Mays, Mike Schmidt, on and on and on. It's the greatest players. It's the coolest thing. It's the old. It's like Lou Gehrig. Joe DiMaggio. And the poor guy died, ALS, and they named it after him, Lou Gehrig's disease. I mean, it's Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig is a big part of American history for more than just baseball. Joe DiMaggio. I mean, these guys. Bob Gibson. Ricky Henderson. 
I mean, there's some of the greatest players of all time. And you're seeing these plaques. Do you even stop by Scott Rowland's plaque? <laughs> He's a uh, glance and keep going, maybe. Do you sit there and read? Do you read George Human, George Herman Ruth or Scott Rowland's plaque? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the babe. Do you read Ricky Henderson or Scott Rowland's plaque? Ricky Henderson. George <laughs> Brett, Scott Rowland. I'm going to go Scott Rowland on that one. No, oh, I was punch uh, you. <laughs> Rod Carew, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, Scott Rowland. Uh, take all the guys that you just mentioned. The former. Ted Williams, Carly, Carl Yastrzemski, Scott Rowland. Why would I why would I look at their plaque when I could see Ted Williams playing for the Padres? Kirby Puckett was a great player. He was. Before he got hit in the eye and lost his eyesight. You reading Kirby Puckett or you reading that guy? Yeah, Puckett. Uh, I, I, I'll throw one out there. I'll go deep. I'll go deep into your heart. I'll reach into your heart like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom and pull it out. You go and read Roberto Clemente or <laughs> Willie Stargell's plaque or Scott Rowland. <laughs> I'll go to Bill Mazeroski. I'll go to the Maz. I don't know if I'm going there. Well, I one home run. Eh. How many big home runs Scott Rowland hit in the World Series? That's there's my point. The same. Are you going to read the great Roberto Clemente, or I mean, it was a star when I was a real little kid. Greatest Willie goal. Pops, Willie Stargell's black. Clemente, greatest. We're talking pirate greats. You going to go to Willie Stargell, or are you going to go to Scott Rowland? I'm going to go to Honus Wagner, another pirate great. That's another pirate. The Flying great. Dutchman. Now you're going, boy. <laughs> you're going I watch. I watch a lot of his tape. I mean, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Scott Rowland, Mr. Irrelevant, if we're talking football in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and the the, the, the list that Jason Stark put you out. You going to Cal Ripken Jr. or are you going to Scott Rowland? Derek Jeter or Scott Rowland? I'm not going to Jeter. I'm skipping. Oh, I got one. Too. I got one for you. Scott Rowland or David Ortiz? That's another one I don't like. <sighs> you know what? You should just put. A-Rod, Jeter, Big Poppy. You should just put them in this guys I can't stand wing. Well, A-Rod's not in yet, so we have to wait. <laughs> just put them in anyway. Bonds you put too. him in Bonds. See, I, I, I can't stand them. I Big Poppy is such a steroid fraud. It is unbelievable we got in first ballot. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. There's proof, too, that everybody liked him. So we're going to allow – do I need to get started on, oh, who's the steroid guy? We should have two lists. Who's the steroid guys we like and who's the steroid guys we don't like? Well, I like Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire helped save baseball. Why is he not in? Yeah, Sosa too. Sammy Sosa seemed like a lovable guy to me, and everybody in Chicago talked about what a good human being he was. I, I'd rather have him in. I, yeah, well, we've we've been over this a bunch. I mean, the biggest jerk in the history of sports, and I can't stand him, but man, you're not having Barry Bonds is. Where's my Pete Rose plaque? That's a good one, too. Was he on steroids? I don't think so. Oh, you can't gamble. But DraftKings, everybody. It's a slippery slope. MGM now. Grand. That's a very slippery slope. MGM. Now. MGM Grand. Best one ever. MGM was sponsoring our uh, our uh, trip to Japan against the Mariners last time. MGM. What do they do? Uh, casino. They do gambling. Yeah. Uh, coming up next, though. Football analogies for the Hall of Fame, and boy, 
this shortstop class that was supposed to be hell on wheels, um, they're not getting the sniff test, folks. They're not passing it, and neither is Carlos Correa. Wait till you hear what Carlos Correa had to say next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, it's better that I don't say anything. God. I got asked for tickets on Friday. Like yeah, you can. I got tickets. We got tickets. Yeah, I, my wife asked my wife's nursing friend, who is not in Cancun, one of the few uh, individuals who didn't make it on the girls' trip to Cancun for work, asked me for tickets as well. So yeah, we can get you tickets. We can get you tickets. Um, I don't need to go to the data for this. I could just tell you, I thought it was insane, insane. That the Giants, then the Mets, offered this incredible amount of money for a guy that can't stay healthy in Carlos Correa. I don't, I've gone over the numbers enough. They're not great. He is not a super player by any stretch of the imagination. Now, in postseason time, yeah, he shows up. There's no question. And he's got bravado. And he backs it up. But I don't know for how long. And the thing that people loved, but it told me everything I needed to know, was when they got him on, it was either, I want to say TBS. Yeah, not, was, not yeah. TNT, it was TBS. Yeah. What, one of the Turners. Stations. It was TBS because they carry the baseball, the postseason games. And they were talking about with him as he was on, on, on set, they're talking about how he helps younger players now. And when he was talking about helping younger players, he was talking to the veterans. So it was Jimmy Rollins, somebody else. It was Jimmy- it's usually Jimmy Rollins, Car- Curtis Granderson, and Pedro that are on there. So he's talking to them about teaching the young guys that they got to pay attention to their analytics because that's what front offices are paying for. And these veteran players were just like, wow, man, I never thought of this and I never thought of that. They were fascinated by it. And he's like, yeah, I tell these young guys, this is what you need to concentrate on because this is how you're going to get paid. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, this is a guy that – what he equates baseball with is getting paid. Versus you've heard a lot of the great players say, play great and the money will come. They know if you are a great player, the riches are there. I'll give you a player who's like that right now. 
Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is not never talking about his numbers. All he talks about is wanting to win. He wants to play. He's up for the fight. Otani, the great thing about Shohei Otani is just not his skill. It's the fact that he wants to play. He loves it. He can't get enough of it. You want WBC? He's in. You want me to face Trout at the end of the game and close this thing out? I'm in. He wasn't sitting there going, well, I'm going to be a free agent. I could be signing for $500 million. I don't know if I'm going to do this ninth inning in the WBC. No, 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 no. Otani's in, baby. He's a gamer. He's not sitting there talking about contract and money. Those type of players, and as great as Ricky Anderson was, that was what Ricky Anderson was about, and it drove people nuts. Drove people ab money, 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 money. Carlos Correa just never, like, I just couldn't understand, like, how could Farhan be so smart and offer this guy that all he thinks about is money 13 years? That will be a horrific deal. To me, Carlos Correa has never passed the sniff test because it's always about Money. Okay, so guess who's in town in Minnesota? Who's in town? Who's playing the Minnesota? Who's playing the Twinkies? Oh, that'd be the in the Twin Cities. That'd be the San Francisco Giants. So all the conversations come up again about the contract and about the leg and all this kind of stuff. Carlos Correa, by the way, not in the lineup again tonight. Left, May- left heel, not tied to his right ankle, but left heel. Amazing how much time he misses. Um. He had this to say about the 13-year contract that he was going to get from the San Francisco Giants, which, by the way, still one of the, you know, I, I was the MC for that uh, banquet, the Santa Clara hot stove, hot stove that, and a bunch of Giants people were there. I had the uh, picture on my phone, and it was uh, Carlos Correa in a Giants uniform with the uh, light, the Christmas lights necklace, and it was the Giants Ticket package around yeah. him, the Christmas deal. I was like, hey, uh, does this package still work? Can I still get this deal? And I did the too soon. I, and the crowd's like, ooh. I, I remember when that deal fell through. I was in Boise for San Jose State. And, uh, Boise. And out of ho. Eastern Michigan. And I got that pop up on my phone. Like, oh, he now he's not signing with the Giants. Oh, interesting. So here's what Cray had to say. And I'm reading the quote. It just makes me realize that I might not have wanted to play all 13 years. Because at some point I want to be a full-time father, and I want to think I want to be present for my kid. Looking back at it now, me and my wife, we think about we think it worked out for the best. Now I can make the decision after six years if I want to keep playing or not. Whenever I'm ready to be a full-time father and put baseball behind me, I can do whatever I want to. I don't have a contract holding me back for that long amount of time. This is the guy that you offered. Over three hundred million to to be the face of your franchise, and I said you are out of your mind. And here we are. When did that thing break down? December it was December, yeah. January, February, March, April, May. Five months after the thirteen. 13- year, 300 and whatever million dollar deal. Five months later, he's like, whoo, thank God I didn't sign that because I don't even know if I want to play all 13 years. Are you, what? 
I'm happy. I he wants to be a father. Well, we all, you know what? I'm a father. I can speak to this. Um, you know, your kids as they get older, they go to school. Um, yeah, you can be a part. You could still do stuff and be a part of their lives. Um, I have a feeling Carlos Correa will probably still be playing after that time. Um, I love when people use family. Like when Mike Hampton signed with the Colorado Rockies for all that money. He liked the school districts for his family. Uh, trust me, we don't buy that at all. Uh, we're not buying that you're this. You're the greatest family man in the world. I'm not buying it. Um, but how about that? Just think about that. When when the next time you think it's great to sign somebody to a, an 11-year deal, a 12-year deal, a 13-year deal, because at this point, the only 13-year deal we've – how long was uh, John Carlos? I think his was 13 also. with the Harper's 13. I know Harper's is 13. What's John Carlos? See. Which has been a disaster. It's been an absolute disaster contract. Uh, 13 for 325. 13. So you had Carlos Correa, who five months after this deal falls through, says, whew, thank God I didn't sign that. Because I don't know if I would want to play that long. Because when they when Scott Boris was selling the G- deal and the Giants had signed that deal, guess what? They talked about this guy wants to be the face of the franchise for all these years. No, he didn't. Five months later, he's glad he didn't do it. Yeah, very surprising to hear that. There was another quote that I, I But doesn't that show you who this guy who this guy's character is and also show you why you should never sign one of these deals with one of these guys? Yeah, I mean, the shortstop. Man. The shortstop. You've won Correa's numbers, too, by the way, on the year. I do. I, He's hitting 213, six home runs, 24 runs driven in, and a 699 OPS. He has a 0. 0.3, 0. 0.3 war on the year. That for 13 years? 13 years. Since they took the six for what, I, 200. I, to, to my giant friends, I'll offer an olive branch. I told you, you won this deal. I told giant fans, you're going to be thankful you never had this deal signed. It was an awful deal. It was it's another reasons why it's a it, it, it is another unfortunately if you want to check pros and cons of the Farhan regime there in San Francisco, this is another con. The fact that you couldn't land judge and you went all in on judge and really you finished third in the Jeb sweepstakes. Actually San Diego was closer to signing him than you. We lived it. He flew into San Diego for Monday Night Football, Aaron Judge. And Aaron Judge was talking with the – he flew into San Diego to the winter meetings. Everybody thought it was to talk with the Giants. Nope. It was to talk with the San Diego Padres. Yeah. And and um, you finished third there. Then you turn around and you're going to offer Correa 13 years. And now here we're sitting here five months later and Correa's thankfully didn't sign it because – he doesn't know how long he wanted to play. Back then, him and Scott Boris were singing 13 years is going to be great. He's going to be the face of your franchise for 13 years. I know, Farhan and what they've done in San Francisco, that's just another knock. I mean, I can't I can't even believe he's admitting to this. Yeah, I, I saw another quote out there, too, um, that he's blaming the offseason on his slow start, too. The felt physicals and the contracts with the Giants and Mets, that's why he's – Hitting 213 on the year and out of the lineup today. Interesting. But, we, I mean, the other way, we can maybe get to it later, but, I mean, Trey Turner has been good, and he says he's, he even admit he's honest with himself. He knows he sucks right now. 
Um, Xander Bogarts has been slumping a little bit, although the Padres are winning right now against the Nats. No, but he's, you know, he, if you go in line, I mean, we can take our own Brent Rooker. You can take Matt Chapman, Xander Bogarts, guys who were hell on wheels first month, second month's been a whole different ball game. And that's that consistency throughout the season that's so tough. But, yeah, Xander Bogarts, I mean, you, he's now, this month has not been good to him. These shortstops, where we talked about the whole winter meetings was all about these shortstops and where they're going to sign. Um, I hit a home run earlier on the highlights thing, Bogarts. <laughs> but they haven't been good. No. And you're, you're locked into these guys 10, 11, 11 years. I mean, it's unreal. How long, You're locked into – I mean, we all look at our own lives. It's very hard. I'm easily, I'm, I'll tell you, I recently – met up with my financial advisor, and we're talking about, okay, when you hit 60, when you hit 65, and I'm like, I'm having a hard time thinking about what that's like five years, 10 years, 15 years from now, and I don't have to do anything but get on and talk. Can you imagine having to perform at that level, trying to think about how I am going to be at this level, the highest level, the greatest players in the world are playing at this level? How am I going to do that for the next 11 years as I hit 35, late 30s, and these guys into their 40s? We see how bad that aging process is. It just is what it is. And, you know, to have a guy that you almost gave everything to Sit back and now you go into town. I mean, if you're the Giants and you go into Minnesota and he's saying this stuff, you got to be like, oh my God, what were we thinking? Well, they dodged, they dodged one there for sure. I mean, I don't want to say Casey Schmidt's the savior for them, but he's having a nice two weeks with the up being up here. Brandon Crawford was going to play. Well, third. Casey Schmidt doesn't is, isn't going to get three hundred million either. Uh, safe to say, probably not right now. But not right know. now. Yeah, well, he's a lot cheaper option. Yeah. And you think about Correa, too. He's not going to play shortstop the whole time. I mean, the one guy that if I had to bet, I bet in San Diego at the winter meetings, I'll bet it again, Dansby Swanson will be the guy who plays shortstop the longest. I, I'm, I agree with that. Because you're paying these guys to play short, and they're all going to get moved off short at, at some point. Now the whole thing with Trey Turner is that you can move him to outfield. Yes. But once he goes to outfield – that his numbers dramatically change what I expect from an outfielder. As he ages, he's not going to be a center fielder. He's going to be a corner outfielder. So what will I expect now of power from him? Yeah, and his power numbers are down. His strikeout rate is way up this year, too. Way up. But why ask me? Coming up, we're going to ask a World Series champion. We're going to ask a man that knows a lot about the game. Ed Sprague's going to join us next as we get you ready for A's and the Mariners right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, the Director of Player Development, Stanford Zone, Ed Sprague, joins us here. Ed, it's great to have you on the program again. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Chris. 
All right, so we were talking about it before you got on. We were talking about, okay, Ed Sprague's got World Series rings. Obviously, your great career, especially up in Toronto. But you also have a gold medal. And not a lot of people have a gold medal. Like, how proud are you of that? Where do you showcase it? Because not many people can go, yeah, I got a gold medal from the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, well, like, mine's right next to my wife's. She's got one, too. I'd That's say I'd be probably more proud of hers than uh, mine. You know, very fortunate to be at the right time. You know, college junior, that's who got the chance to play in the Olympics that time uh, when I was playing. Didn't, didn't have professionals. So uh, very fortunate to play on, you know, three USA teams. And it just happened to be my year. You know, if I was a different class, I, you know, I probably would have missed it. So just very fortunate that was the case and got to play with a lot of great players. Well, think about your career in Toronto. You're playing for a country. In the Olympics, you're playing for your country. Just what is that like, the difference of, you know, whether you're playing, I don't know, San Diego, Boston, the other place you played in your career, versus when you're playing for your country? Just see, there's a, there's a, it's a different ball game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, when you put USA across your chest, it would, you know, it's, it means a whole something a lot different, you know, especially internationally. And like I said, I got to play in a lot of those competitions, and, and they were intense, and you get you come together with all the best players from – around the United States. It was, it was awesome. And then a very similar feeling in, in Toronto. I mean, right. Canada, the entire yeah. country was behind us and we'd never won before. So, uh, you know, that was a unique experience as well to have the entire, well, at least everything West of Toronto at the time, you know, probably was, was behind us. Everybody else was in Montreal at that time, but uh, it was, it was a fantastic experience, both of them really, but uh, you know, winning a gold medal for your country, um, celebrating with your with your you know friends that you've been with for a couple of years was was fantastic. I know everybody wants to hear about A's prospects. I get that. I just one more about your career because you had a great career and obviously it start you know from being from Stockton, going to Stanford, being a local guy. It, it was a terrific career, and you know for a team to finally get over the hump. I mean, your guys' Blue Jay teams. You look at the Hall of Famers, all the All Stars, the great players those two years. But it was the Oakland A's that you finally had to get past. Just talk about how you guys had played against Oakland. They had their terrific players. They'd been to the World Series three straight years, one in 89. And it was you had to get over the hump of beating those guys for you guys then to become the best team in the American League. Yeah, the players that came before me in Toronto, you know, Lloyd Mosby's, Jesse Barfield's, uh, Dave Steves, those guys like that. I mean, they really set the stage, you know, going from 85, 87, then – 89 and coming so close. Uh, I was at the actually the 89 playoff game at the Coliseum, uh, you know, as just as a young minor leaguer, watching that experience and watching basically Ricky Henderson take over that entire series and and, and beat uh, Toronto. So, uh, yeah, and then, you know, you're going up against uh, Stu and Eckersley and, you know, it was, it was quite the team back then. And, uh, you know, they were certainly the powerhouse to beat to get to the World Series. All right, so where the athletics are right now, obviously we're dealing with the day-to-day grind of the season, 10 and 39. It's pretty bleak. It is what it is. We can't sugarcoat it. But what we can do in a year like this is look to the future. And I think Ruiz has showed us right now on pace for 79 steals. When we were down at spring training, everybody's question was, is he going to be able to get on base? Well, forget getting on base. This kid not only gets on base, this kid not only steals bags, he's one of the best in the business at hitting with runners in scoring position. It's stories like this that give you hope. So when we come to you and we're talking about what you guys are dealing with in the minor leagues, what kind of positivity do you have as for us and young players that we're seeing in our system that are going to be the future A's to help us? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think we have a lot of positive pieces. I think, you know, obviously we went through this rebuild phase and made some trades, you know, everybody wants that immediate return. And, you know, some of the pieces we got back were young, some of them were inexperienced pitchers that just needed to, to get healthy and get on the mound. Uh, we've had some, some good draft picks. I mean, Tyler Soderstrom, our first rounder from 2020 is in AAA right now. He had a great year last year. Uh, he's knocking on the door. Zach Geloff is right there. Uh, Brett Harris has kind of come on as a, a really uh, great little player, you know, kind of an everyday type guy. You know, and then, you know, Lawrence Butler, you saw glimpses of him in spring training. Uh, you know, he's got a chance to be, to be really good. And, you know, um, you know, Clark down there is, is off to a pretty good start. He slowed down a little bit, but you, you saw some glimpses of him as well. So there's some pieces coming. I think we're getting some pitchers healthy. Kusick's thrown really well his last few outings. Uh, Grant Holman just finished up his outing. He's going to get back out after an injury. Uh, so I think there's a lot of positives um, going down there. Obviously, you see Medina, he's pitching tonight. You know, he's he's had some 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 highlights there so far. So uh, hopefully get Miller back soon. And, you know, I think there's a lot of pieces to build on. They're kind of spread out a little bit throughout the system. You know, we're not all clumped in, in one area. Um, but I think that there's a balance of ages and position players and pitchers. You know, what we've seen with Medina is just a God-given ability to throw the baseball. I mean, it's an effortless – it's a very effortless athletic delivery you can see what kind of athlete he is and the one thing I don't think we've seen yet because I've read about it we've seen it at times is just this incredible curveball that can just be a devastating Uncle Charlie you know what have you seen in him because we've seen glimpses but it's at the big league level and it hasn't really been fair either it's like he gets called up for a debut goes down gets called up again he really really hasn't had these consecutive starts to build on hopefully we're going to see that but what have you seen in him that makes you think they think he can be special yeah obviously he's, he's got a power fastball you know and he came to us last year and getting traded is difficult as a young player uh and he was able to come over uh he was a little erratic you know had a, a trouble landing his heater in the zone and then going to his breaking ball. So really he was behind in count. So he's not throwing the breaking ball quite as much. Uh, so I think this year he kind of simplified his mechanics. He had a good winter ball. I think he really enjoys being on the mound. He's one of those guys that wants to pitch as often as possible and, and getting through that winter ball and, and healthy and, and throwing and competing over there for his country, I think was really good. And like I said, he's a, he's a unique competitor. He wants the ball all the time. So I think as more he gets comfortable, the more he gets comfortable with his release point, you're going to see him, you know, integrate those secondary pitches, curveball and his change up um, and not rely so much on the power fastball. You know, when I think about your job and you got to concentrate on everything, but what is it like for you on a day to day basis? Is it triple A? Is it double A? Is it what, what, what right now would you say is the main focus for you? Well, right now I'm watching Lansing on my screen behind <laughs> over here. But, you know, I watch, uh, yeah. you know, watching four or five games a night. You know, we fortunate with uh, MILB TV. We get we can see a lot of the games. So I'm watching Oakland. I'm watching Vegas, you know, Midland, Lansing, Stockton, all the way down every single night, um, talking to the managers, getting game reports, uh, you know, getting an idea with players, talking to all our coordinators who are out and about. And, and of course, I, I travel myself to, to see all our affiliates. So it's um, – you know, it's busy on each individual night, but sometimes you're focusing on one player or, you know, if a guy's getting closer to maybe particularly moving a guy from one level to another, you're, you're maybe honing on that a little bit. It's amazing how much technology has changed your job just from a standpoint of, you know, it used to be years ago, 
you weren't seeing the numbers from your minor league teams that until the next day. Now you're watching the games on television. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your iPad. You can see the players. Now there's data. Uh, there's stat cast. There's high-speed cameras at all these different ballparks. Just talk about through the years how technology has helped you be more informed on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of information. You know, of course, I got Grady Fuson and, of course, Keith Lippin that uh, I replaced. And uh, they tell you about how, how it was back then, certainly uh, traveling around. But, yeah, we have a lot of information. Uh, we don't have to listen to game reports. All our game reports are typed in every night by our managers. Uh, we have all the statistics, like you said, which also helps us, too, from a coaching standpoint, too, because um, the players can't hide. You know, they can't, they can't argue about not hustling down the line or making a good turn or getting a good jump on the ball in the outfield. There's no, there's no hiding from that anymore. It's just it's black and white on paper. You can use those, um, those numbers to help develop a guy's first step, you know, his range, uh, his routes in the outfield, all those different types of things. We can use those to our advantage to help players continue to get better. Yeah, Grady Fuson can tell you that. He w- he had to go uphill both ways <laughs> in the snow to go to school. Don't buy it because I know Grady Fuson's hanging out there down at San Diego Country Club playing golf every single day. Life is good for Grady. Uh, when, when, when you're looking at a player, what is the key for you when you say, this guy, you call David Forrest, this guy's, and you say, this guy's ready? This, you know, now whether he's going to be called up or not, what what do you need to see? And it could be from Double A too, just not Triple A. Right. What do you need to see when you go, David? This guy's ready. Yeah, I mean, David sees the numbers. He he can see the numbers on paper. I think a lot of it, the insight he's looking for. We're looking for the maturity. You know, we're looking for the, you know, the character behind the player, where he's at in his maturation process. You know, how he's bouncing back from a strikeout or how he responds to a home run. How he's handle himself in the clubhouse with his teammates. I think those are all intangibles that that you're looking for to when you're putting together a winning club. I mean, David can read the numbers just as easy as I can, and we know who's playing well at a certain given time. You know, we look at indicators that are going to uh, help us understand where he's going to have success at the next level. You know, I mean, if there's a lot of swing and miss, there's a lot of chase out of the zone, we understand those things are, are going to be problems. If they're, you know, if they're throwing a lot of, from as a pitching standpoint, uh, you know, where they at with their strikes and their walks and, and, and their fastball command in the zone. Those are the things that we're paying a lot more attention to. So, you, you know, you see the, yeah, this guy, you know, he, he gave up no hits or whatever. How is that going to translate to the next level? And a lot of times you got to look at the, some of the, the, the things behind the scenes in terms of just the box score. You know, when we were growing up, they talked about the Oriole way or the Dodger way. There's a way that this organization wants to play baseball. And it's like recently I've been hearing that again. And I we, 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 we had Grady on just not too long ago. And Grady talked about, hey, getting people to play the way we want Oakland A's to play. And they have done that for many years. Just how important is that? I don't know if it's corny to say the A's way to play baseball, but there is something that you want at every level to see the way the guys play, how they act as professionals, how they compete on the field. How important is that to establish that kind of mentality throughout the organization? Well, I think it's very important. You know, we want players to be successful when they get to the major league level. We want to produce winning major league players, not just players who get to the big leagues. There's, you know, the, in the grand scheme of things, getting to the big leagues is the easiest part. Staying there is, is much harder, right? Because they're the best in the game and they make quicker adjustments. And so you got to make sure you're prepared to do the little things that help win a ball game. And in the minor leagues, you know, a lot of, it's a lot about development. We still think winning is important, but 
you know, we're, we're not going to take a guy out because he's over four, didn't move a runner over, didn't get a bunt down. We're going to teach him how to do those things. But when they get to the big league level, if there's a runner on second base and our guy hooks the ball to third, you know, my phone's ringing from Mark Kotze and he's saying, what, this guy, you don't, you guys teach you guys, get a guy over or get a sack bunt down or make a, you know, make a good turn or those are the type of things that, that we hear from on our side. And, you know, that's what he's expecting from player development to do is when these guys get to the major league level, they, the, the ability level is the ability level, but the intangibles about how to play a game and, you know, maybe not strike out with runner on third and less than two outs and putting the ball in play, being able to take the extra base, um, you know, and, and add that, that extra 90 over the course of the game, those things add up. And I think that's organizationally, that's what we want to do. Um, and I think everybody's on board with that. You know, for so many years, managers, the old school managers, they had no idea what was going on in the minor leagues. They may have seen guys at spring training. Mark Kotze is really he's he, I know he's talked to minor leaguers, whether it be on Zoom calls or Google Meets, whatever you guys use. He's talked to guys. Just how involved is he in the process of watching what's going on in, in the minor leagues? He's he's very engaged. Absolutely. He's very engaged. He, and that was from the get go in the in the offseason when he went to Dominican uh, in spring training, when he came over and talked to all our players. Uh, when I'm in Oakland, uh, we have talks all the time. I know he's picked up the phone when he's seen something odd on a report, whether it's a guy's uh, strength and conditioning effort, you know, in the weight room or whatever that looks like. So he's he'll pick up a phone and call call one of the players directly and talk to them just to reiterate. Uh, what we're trying to do down there. And that's, that's been a big help for us. It's been awesome to have all of us on the same page. And uh, yeah, he's, he's not afraid to, to grill us a little bit too, whether one of the coordinators come in and say, what's going on with this guy, what's going on with this guy, let's get him right. So um, no, it's been, it's been good collaboration back and forth. And, and I talked to, to Cots probably once a week, once every 10 days, whether I'm in Oakland or not. Here's something that's baffling and it's just so, uh, we've talked to David Forrest about this on the David Forrest Show about how do you really look at Las Vegas's numbers knowing the environment, the environment highly offensive and just horrific for pitchers. And I think of a guy like Kyle Muller who now is being sent down and now the job is to get him right so he can come back up here and start again and win games. I don't know if there is a key. I, I What is it? What do you do when you tr- you got to – it's just not physical. This game is so much mental. How do you get a guy right when you're sending him down to a, a place that it's not a good place to pitch? Yeah, I mean, obviously the numbers, you know, jump up a little bit, you know, on the offensive side and the pitching side. I mean, ERAs and stuff like that. So you got to look, like I said, some of those intangibles, first pitch strikes, the ability to land that second pitch. What are you throwing behind the count? What kind of, you know, quality of contact are you getting? I mean, sometimes you get, you know, less than ideal contact and it's a double or it's in the gap or it's a home run in Vegas. That's just the, the nature of the beast. Now, offensively, that helps you quite a bit, right? So you get you really get confidence from that, and you can use that to your advantage. Um, you know, on the pitching side, it can be the opposite and, and deflate you a little bit. So you got to really work with that. I think it can make you mentally tougher, you know, if you can get through it and, and work through a lot of traffic. I mean, you're going to have traffic uh, in the Pacific Coast League. You just are. And so I think understanding how to – you know, work in traffic and, and having a lot of runners on base consistently, having the ability to throw that two-seamer down the way or that changeup to get a ground ball double play to get out of it. I think those are the kind of little positives you have to look at as opposed to just looking at, oh, I gave up five runs and, you know, two homers that were jam shots. In 1996, in your prime at 28, you hit 36 home runs. How many home runs would you hit in Vegas that year? 
Well, actually, I hit my first one in Vegas that year because they were building Mount Davis, and we yeah, opened up against right. them. <laughs> and it was a broken bat homer. So if you could think anything about leading to confidence, like my first home run that year was a broken bat in, in the old uh, Cashman Stadium. Oh, and, and you know, let's end on this. Well, there's two things. Okay, uh, one more on A's players. Who's the one player? And this may not be fair, but who's the one player that you're looking at and you're really excited? You can't wait to see him be in an A's uniform. I mean, there's there's a lot of them, you know. I think I think you look at, you know, I think the the bat of Soderstrom is obviously intriguing. The athleticism of Geloff, uh, the consistency of Harris. I'd say Harris because he's probably been the most underrated over the course of his time here. Although I think he's starting to gain a lot of speed. But uh, Lawrence Butler, I mean, just so exciting to watch play with his confidence. You know, when he's playing well, he's about as fun of a character in the big leagues that you're going to get. Uh, and then Denzel Clark, you know, when he's on, I mean, it's the power speed combo is, is really special, you know, and he's going to come with some swing and miss. He's going to come with some flaws because he just doesn't have a lot of experience playing, but the superior athleticism of him, I think is those, those guys on the offensive side, obviously are, are, are pretty special. Um, you know, we each with their own unique personalities, I would say, but you know, I think law dog has the most fun of them all right now. And so I think you saw that in spring training. So He'll be fun uh, addition to the locker room when he gets an opportunity. Now, obviously, you had a great big league career, but your family has been around minor league baseball. It's like been in your blood. Talk about your father, your guys' connection to the Stockton Ports for all those years. Yeah, so I grew up, obviously, born in Cache Valley, grew up in Pleasanton, uh, moved up to Stockton halfway through my eighth grade year because my dad bought the Ports in uh, the winter of 1979. And uh, that's what brought us up here. So, you know, I started – you know, as an eighth grade and ninth grader, I hung around there. I was the bat boy clubhouse kid, uh, kind of did pretty much everything, cut bullpens as I got older, took ground balls and That's awesome. worked with the team. So, yeah, I was uh, a part of it. And then my stepmom bought the Lodi Dodgers in the Cal League at the same time. So, uh, yeah, it was a unique experience to be around minor league baseball and that. And then uh, my dad also had part of the El Paso Diablos when they were uh, in double A Brewers. So getting the chance to go there and and see the unique Dudley Dome back in the day where they used to put up 35 runs in, in that ballpark. So, uh, yeah, I just I've been around it my whole, you know, my whole life. My dad uh, grew up, I mean, played in the big leagues. I was at the very first game in the Coliseum in 1968 as a one-year-old. And so I uh, had plenty of opportunities to be linked with the A's and then, of course, impress professional baseball. Well, I know the story a little bit because I, I, I played at San Jose State and we played Pacific at Billy Hebert where you guys own the team, which people got to realize it was a brick wall for the outfield. It was crazy in this park in Stockton. And I just remember the Sprague name because you were at the Blue Jays at the time. And I just remember everybody talking about how the Sprague's are involved and old Billy Hebert Stadium back in the day. Yeah, I mean, when I took the job at University of the Pacific, that's where was our field. So I ended up spending the first two years before we built uh, the stadium on campus was that we played our games at, at Billy Hebert field. So over there in Oak park. So it still exists today. It's a travel ball facility and it's got a lot of history. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy, but a wealth of knowledge of everything going on. Cause we know in these dark times, the only way out, the light is the young players who are going to make us better, and you're training those guys. So very Absolutely. important to have you here on Ace Cast Live. We always appreciate you. Take care, and let's do this again soon. All right, Chris. Thank you very much. That was awesome right there. Ed Sprague. You ever hit 36 home runs in the big leagues? Driving 101? 
Got two World Series rings and a gold medal. Director of player development. Grew up around minor league baseball. You want to talk about a baseball life. Ed Sprague's at a ba- Ed Sprague Jr. Ed, said Ed Sprague Sr.'s father was the one who owned the team. But uh, Ed Sprague Jr., yes, and his wife was an Olympian too. She was a swimmer, I think. From Stanford? Yeah, she's a Stanford. They usually have a good too. They usually have a good water polo swimming. Your wife doesn't have a gold medal? Uh, no. Um, my name's on the wall at my college. I mean, does that count? Uh, Synchronized swimmer. She's Olympic. He and his wife both have a gold medal. Yeah, we, yeah, that, yeah, we, we don't, don't have, have that. that. Yeah, we don't have that either. I mean, my wife has her master's degree. I don't have that. I mean, that's – yep. I think some people are shocked I have a degree. I guess – you and your wife, myself and my wife, all share the same income. We all have a bachelor's degree. There we go. We got that going. We all got, yeah. There, well, there's that. There's that. I can't say I have children. I'm not there yet. And look what it's led to. Yep. Oh. You know what? I think this is going to be the last time I ever put <laughs> MLB on my iPad because <laughs> for some reason you're like, it's like crack to you. You can't stop looking at it. Well, you do realize people are watching you and you. Now, people are listening have no idea, but the people watching, <laughs> you're just constantly like, oh, my God, what's going on? Oh, my God, what's going on? Do- Dodgers. You're like you're like a little kid. You can't stop. It's like, it's like, it's, oh, my God, I got to see it. I know people pro- I, don't, I know people don't care so what's going on with the uh, Orioles So, I'm going to have to do this to get back your attention back to the show. You just ruined it. Got to be able to focus. Focus. We were just talking about bachelor's degrees anyway. No, you did it the whole time. I'm like, you you can't see him, Ed Sprague. I'm talking to Ed, and he's, like, looking over at the – Eddie Sprague, though. You hear that? Butler was I, electric. Clark obviously played in the WBC. Uh, I did – he calls him Soderstrom. As I told you back in the day, his father, a lot of people called him uh, Steve Soder, uh, Soderstrom. He called him Soderstrom. Yes. Soderstrom – Back in the day, a lot of people called Steve Soderstrom, who I played against at Fresno State, number one pick by the San Francisco Giants, Ed Sprague's old school, Soderstrom. Remember I told you that? Yeah. But the new group, they'll Soderstrom. So we just go with Sodi. Um, doesn't David, doesn't David Force call him Soderstrom too? Yeah. It's yeah. like, too, but but it's Soderstrom too. So so Tyler will tell you it's Soderstrom, but us old guys remember his father is Soderstrom. Let's like, see, now we're getting this whole thing like Mark Hanna last year on – Sunday Night Baseball, Kanya, and it's like, no, it's just, just can we give one, can we have one way to say a name? That's, that's, that's all I ask. Well, hey, here's the bottom line. These young guys got to work. Because with all of the drama going on with the ballpark stuff, okay, I get it. And there's more drama today. We see it. Trust me, we know about it. We see it. It is what it is. We've told you, we're not riding the roller coaster of the ballpark stuff. Just not. Control what you can control. That's all you can do. I'm leaving that up. What? Two minutes? Yeah. I'm leaving all that up to the Twitter YouTubers. They can go, I mean, what ends up happening, what ends up happening. We have not. A's cast live, we've got no control over that. So we're not going to ride that. We're not going to take you through it. It's just not going to do it. It's not our job to do that. We're going to talk about the team. We're going to talk about baseball. I know a lot of you want us to comment on it. And, yeah, could I tell you all the crazy things I'm hearing? Sure. Is it going to help anything? No. So we're just going to talk baseball. 
But no matter what happens, you still got to play baseball games next year, the year after that. No new ballpark, whether it's in Oakland, whether it's in Vegas, whether it's on the moon, whether it's in Alaska. You still got to play games the rest of this year. It's not even Memorial Day. You realize how many games are left? This game fifty. This game fifty. There's so, 162. What's so, 50 minus 162? Well, that's it'd be 112. <laughs> There's a lot of games. That's a lot of post game shows. Um, yeah, and then you got next year. And then you got the year after that. I mean, there's no new ball, no ballpark. You can't just like this is not Barlam and Bailey's where you pop up a tent and there's elephants and tigers and and giraffes and everybody at the circus. Who else is at the circus? Monkeys, clowns. I don't feel I've only been in the circus once. That doesn't surprise me. My parents aren't, weren't big circus people. So yeah, you just can't pop a tent and have a circus. You got a, a ballpark takes time. So that's the whole point. We still got a baseball team to talk about before any ballpark is built anywhere. And these guys got to work. And Lawrence, but- Lawrence Butler was awesome to watch in spring yeah, training. Um, you know, Geloff, let's go. Sodi, Sodastrom, Soderstrom, however you want to do it. We got Dan- little- By the way, Daniel Susak, former first-round pick out of the Ari- University of Arizona, you call him the Wildcats, who's like a massively large catcher. Yes. Former quarterback. He's been swinging it really well. So Henry Bolte, but my guy, I claim Henry Bolte <laughs> out of Palo Alto. Friend of the program. Love me some Henry Bolte. Uh, Henry Bolte is swinging it for Stockton. So Brett Harris, before we go, Brett Harris, the third baseman who's yeah. playing at double-A Midland. Uh, Melissa Lockhart, who was going to join us tomorrow, did a whole piece on him and how he could be the cornerstone third baseman the, for the A's, which, you know, they'll put up there with Chapman and guys from before. So it'll be interesting. He's having a good year. Eric Chavez, uh, Chavez, Chavi Chavez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Harris played at Gonzaga, too, if anyone watches college baseball. Well, you know who's going tonight? Funky. Uh, Cole, funky Louis Medina. Funky Cole Medina. Yeah, changing it. It's, it's Louis Medina. Uh, Colby Thomas. Uh... Cusick, who came over in the uh, Olsen deal. Bloodless just got promoted to, uh, to uh, high A. What about Logan Davidson out of? Clemson, uh, switch hitting shortstop. Remember him? He's a Boris guy. So, all right, all well, we do all we do is draft Boris. Hey, how's our outfielder from uh, University of Oklahoma? Which one? Uh, the one that's playing in we the mean, NFL, you, or the one that's playing yeah, in Triple A? The former quarterback. Which one? Yeah, yeah. Well, you pick one. Which one do you want to talk about? Uh, well, which one? The guy that can't stop playing Call of Duty, or the guy that's actually mashing in Triple A? The guy that's mashing in Triple A. Yeah, Cody Thomas. Uh huh. How about the guy who uh, doesn't read his playbook? How's he doing? <laughs> Playing Call of Duty. <laughs> hey, Kyle Murray's showing you what happens to a quarterback that doesn't read his playbook. How does it work out long term? Yeah, it doesn't. Doesn't? We'll see. He's only 25, so. Where's Cliff Kingsbury? Uh, USC, I think. He's like an assistant there now. Good little car. A little good little career he carved out for himself. Cliff came. Didn't he? I thought he was taking it. Didn't he take a trip somewhere? To a one way ticket. One way ticket. Wasn't he like Fiji hey, or come something on. like that? If, uh, what's the coach? The Why am I drawing a blank on the coach? It was at Oklahoma, now at USC. Um, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Link, if Lincoln Riley calls, you got to pick up. Well, he had a one way ticket. How does he get back? I guess he bought, maybe took a well, boat. SC would just send the private jet. 
The one they fired, uh, the one they fired Lane Kiffin on. <laughs> we want to thank the great Ed Sprague. We want to thank Scott Miller, one of the top columnists in baseball. And we want to thank you for listening on athletics.com slash AceCast or watching on AceCast Live. Coming up next, it's A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. And we'll come to you live tomorrow from where? NBC. San Francisco. And who knows who we'll dig up in those studios. Uh, dig them up. We got Melissa Lockhart and Mike Petriello so far. Ooh, Petriello. Yeah. Ah, what's he going to be spinning? Juan Soto. Juan Soto's still <laughs> the greatest know. player of all yeah, time. We'll huh? find out. All right, A's Total Access coming up next. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 